notes already. So today we'll talk about learning how to build data pipelines for data scientists. And one of the most frequent questions I get is, I'm a data scientist and I want to build data pipelines. How do I do this? Finally, today, I'll know how to answer this question because the guest we have today, Andreas, knows it better than anyone. So Andreas is a data engineer and uh, he calls himself the plumber of data science. He writes and talks about uh, platform architecture, tools, and techniques that are used to build modern data science platforms. Welcome, Andreas. Thanks. Thanks for having yeah. me. Hi. So why the plumber of data science? Do you have any uh, story behind this? Well, um, I, I, call, I call data engineering the plumbing of data science because when you when you look at data science, usually you see what the what the scientists do and like algorithms and so on. But at the background, in the background, there is a platform that you have to run or pipelines that you have to build and everything. Basically, an infrastructure that needs to support what the data scientists do, and that is usually uh, I say it's 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 invisible, but it's a huge mess when done wrong. So a bit like plumbing. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's and also it fits very good with with pipelines right so yeah indeed uh, yeah so before we go into our main topic of uh, plumbing and building pipelines uh, let's start with your background uh, can you tell us uh, about your career journey so far yeah sure yeah um, my name is Andreas Kurt. Um I'm in I'm coming from Germany and I'm I've been basically a com within computer science all my life i always loved computers and i started like many people playing or playing on computer computer games and then i got into co actual computer science and uh, studied computer science after that i made a, a quick detour uh, towards sap consulting but that doesn't that was nothing that wasn't my thing and i came back into the uh, the computer science realm where i started as a as a, a software engineer and basically in a project where, um, it, where it was about the inter, uh, the IoT, but the industrial IoT. So we were uh, working on uh, getting machine data in and analyzing machine data. And so basically uh, that's where I got into the topic of um, where, where does, uh, or how I got into big data. Big data was a thing back then and everybody was talking about big data and we're doing big data. Uh, but I actually had the problem that there was so much data coming coming around or coming in that we yeah, that the, the standard tools didn't work anymore. So I need to find solutions, different solutions to actually uh, yeah, work this out. And back then I started with Hadoop. So uh, Hadoop was really the, the, the thing back then and uh, that really turned out really good and so that's how i got into into the into the field back then big, big data now now data engineering data science and I, I became then i switched basically to data engineer became a team lead for data engineering um this year i started uh, leading a data lab but since this month i'm basically went full-time with teaching data engineering with my with my academy at learndataengineering.com. Okay, cool. So, yeah, yeah, that's, that's so. how I got here. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk a bit about your uh, about your course as well. It seems like there is a lot of interest uh, in data engineering these days, and mm -hmm. you're probably so since you you said that you work with Hadoop. I think you are in this area for quite a while. Um, okay. So I think now these days there is a lot of a lot more interest than even a couple of years ago. So now I talk to some data scientists and they, they say that want, they want to get into data engineering. They want to start building data pipelines, not just learn to build data pipelines, but switch to data engineering entirely. Yeah. Do you have any ideas why it's happening? Um, generally, the, the thing that generally happens is when you look back a few years and I've, I've saw this everywhere, um, people were starting with data science. They they got themselves, uh, they hired data scientists, they had some data laying around and they basically analyzed the data. Had a few business ideas, oh, we could do this, we could do that. And then they 
got to the science, data science track and they solved the problems. But at some point, that's where we are getting more and more and more, is they people realize, okay, now I have this, I have this analytics methods, I have I solved the problem, but now I need to automate it. Now I need to build something around it, how to actually bring this into production. And that's that's why we see a lot more engineering is people leave the stage of like a proof of concept and they go they get more into the stage of okay now we need to build something we need to make money or we want to make money we want to build a platform that's that's the what i currently see so basically data science uh, becomes more mature and companies yeah. realize that okay it's not just a one-time thing where we do something in jupyter notebook and throw it away yeah. Right. We need to automate it. We need to build all these data pipelines. And that's, that's right. why people realize that, uh, okay, this is what data engineers do. This is what engineers do. It, it's also from a, from a scientist's perspective, usually you, you would think of like, okay, this, why should the scientist actually do that? Because the scientist should work on the science, right? Shouldn't work on the engineering. But it also, it depends on like the structure of the of the, the project or it depends on the structure of the company. If you're in a small startup, most likely um, they start small, they have a data scientist and the data scientist needs to set set up something. There is no engineer and they are the, once it works, then they bring into in engineers and they make everything nice and beautiful and <laughs> you know, but that's why that's why also the scientists are, are getting more into this. So do you think a company should first hire a data scientist and then data engineer or the other way around? I personally think it's, it, they should hire both, mm -hmm. but uh, not like a, a huge engineering team, but like have a, have a scientist, have a, have a start. If you want to start really small, one scientist, one engineer. So the scientists can focus on the actual science and the engineer can already think of, okay, how can we, how can we later down the road, turn this into a product? So that, because that's usually a hurdle, once the proof of concept is finished, how can we put this into a, into a product? How can we build a platform or something around it? So if you, if you can already get a data engineer early, then you are already in, you're already ahead, you know, but generally the science part, I would say starts with the scientist. That's the, that's the main thing. Usually having some one-off data, usually it lays around somewhere. Somewhere, somewhere somebody has the right CSV or the right database. Expert. Hopefully. <laughs> Most likely, hopefully. Yeah. So I imagine uh, that, uh, okay, company hired data scientists uh, and uh, so this data scientist works on a proof of concept and then they need to productionize it. And then they do, if uh, the company maybe doesn't realize that they need the data engineer, what happens is this data scientist implements the whole thing themselves, right? Mm. And what we usually end up with is a lot of um, code that is difficult to maintain because data scientists are usually not the best engineers. And I th think this is where the question actually comes from, the question that uh, at the beginning uh, I mentioned, um, how can I, as a data scientist, improve my data engineering skills? Because sometimes it happens that data scientists need to do this. So mm -hmm. coming back to this question, I am a data scientist. I want to learn how to build data pipelines. How can I do this? The, I, I would say the, uh, I think the problem isn't, isn't actually the coding. The coding is usually is fairly simple. Like nowadays engineering, uh, you, can, you can, most stuff you can do with Python, and if you're a good developer, which you should be as a data scientist, it shouldn't be a problem. The actual problem that uh, a data scientist has or what a data scientist should look into thinking ahead of how can I, how can I deploy this? How can I make this like uni bring this into a uniformed platform? Because um, what a lot of data scientists tend to do, like they, they, they choose tools for their for their platform like they choose the the packages that they use in in python like take this take that try this out here and that and that but actually in engineering that doesn't work you you can't you can't introduce 20 different tools you need to figure out a few things that you that you select and then build everything around it 
So that's the, the actual conceptual part is, is, is actually, I think, the, the problematic part for that, uh, that a scientist needs to understand. To why does it work? Why can't we take 20 different tools and make a platform from them? I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't get the, the beginning part. Yeah, so why can't we, so you said it doesn't work like this. So like in data science, we can take many different packages and uh, yeah, just put them into uh, one thing and mm. uh, do data science. Why cannot we do this with, uh, with the platform? So why can't we take 20 different tools? The, the problem is the operations part. Uh -huh. like somebody needs to take care of this at some point. And if, if it's the, like, if, even if it's the data scientist himself, themselves, like, okay, you have one data scientist and the data scientist needs to, needs to, or sets something up, uses 20 different tools, and then somebody, and, and then the data scientist needs to take care of it if there's no, if there are no more people then it will, will be problematic because there are so many things to actually keep in, like keep afloat very often there some pipeline gets stuck somewhere something quits then you need to look it up uh, if you're if you're on if you're using an open source tool here or there you need to optimize configurations so it's getting more and more complicated to actually have everything up and running instead of if you focus on in a few areas on a few tools that you that you use and that's that's very that's very important. Mm -hmm. And to mention data pipeline, and we talk about these data pipelines, maybe we can talk a bit about this. What is a data pipeline? So why do we need a data pipeline? Why is my Jupyter notebook with all the code in it is not enough? Yeah. Well, for, from a from an analytic standpoint, that it's it's enough. Like um, you don't for you don't need to set up huge pipelines for for like or like dif different pipelines for the actual analytic stuff, most likely uh, in, in many cases. In, in other cases, if it gets more complicated, you need to split up your, your, your uh, notebook and you create actually Docker containers out of it or whatever and deploy it. But for, let's forget about the analytics. When you think about the, the pipelines or the platforms, somehow you need to, you have somewhere you have an ingestion, somewhere the data needs to come from. And then at the at the at the other end, you have a you have analytics and the visualization behind it or storage, and you need to actually build something to actually. For instance, I always I always um, put it into a few parts. One part is ingestion, another part is uh, our buffers like message queues. Then I have uh, I say the next part is uh, processing frameworks, storage and visualization. These are the the different the the different areas you need to look at. So if you think about like ingestion, how could you how could you ingest the data? Either, for instance, you set up an API, or you set up an EDL job that, that pulls the data in. Like what type of you could have different types of, of processing frameworks. Um, like in, in, ingestion is, uh, let's say we have a website, and then the user can do a bunch of things on this website. So these events that we track and need to end up in our database. This process yeah. of getting these events and putting them yeah. into into some place. This is called ingestion, right? Yeah. You could say, okay, I, I, you have your you have your website where the the user is clicking and you want to track the clicks. So the website would actually shoot the event and the event would, for instance, go into a message queue like Apache Kafka or Kinesis on AWS, and then you then it lays around somewhere. Uh, there and then you need to process it further so you would bring in introduce a processing framework that actually takes this message processes it and stores it somewhere and then the next step would be the visualization and in between there somewhere you you then use the analytics to actually access the data do the analytics and, and put the data back for instance yeah um, so the process is uh, so first the user makes an event so this goes to some message queue. Then mm -hmm. from the message queue, it gets to some storage. I think this is what is usually called data lake these days. Right? Could be a data uh, lake, could also be a NoSQL database. Just yeah. some storage. Yeah. Then these are all events, we need to process them. So then there is a job that takes the events and processes them, does some transformation, and then it ends up in some visualization tool, um, some dashboard maybe for analytics, or maybe 
this is something I, as a data scientist, can also take and use for building my models, right? Yeah. For for instance, yeah, it it depends a bit on w what you're doing. Are you doing uh, event processing? Are you doing streaming, where you're where you're immediately reacting to the actual data that's coming in, or are you taking the data in a batch processing way? Because when you when you do when you do streaming, you are going to take the data immediately. For instance, from the message queue, take it, process it, analyze it, make a forecast push the data further or if you're doing a batch process then it would come out of you would store it first and then you would take it out and then process it and then put it back in and in both cases we refer to this uh, uh, bunch of things this sequence of things as a data pipeline right yes yes I, I i i would refer this or call this a data pipeline a complete pipeline where you have a beginning and where you have an end mm -hmm. uh, now you could you could argue okay where's the end is the end at the storage or is the end at the visualization i mean depends but mm -hmm. like uh, it's it's a the important part is there are a few a few tools a few uh, a few parts that are there and they interact with each other it's not just like there comes something and gets stored and gets you know, then at some point you take it out that's or mm -hmm. You use a CSV file that you download from somewhere. That's that's not the pipeline. Yeah, that looks like a lot of work, right? So something that uh, a data scientist, uh, just one person, probably cannot really implement. So it needs multiple people and a data engineer at least. It depends. It depends um, where you are. Like if you're in a if you're in a like in a private cloud or in an on-premise setup where you where you have to install everything with open source tools, run everything on, on them. Mm, can be annoying if you're on, on a cloud platform like AWS, Azure or GCP. It's fairly simple to actually set up a message queue or, 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 uh, or set up a NoSQL database. The, the problem is like, uh, as I said before, the problem is understanding, okay, w which tools do make sense in this in this case that I currently have and um, uh, and also what is always a problem is the actual um, I refer generally always as schema design that you that you not like in a term of like a relational database but you have to design how does the data or how does the data look how, how do you yeah how do you process the data because it's important to understand okay in the like in this step, I need to do that, and then I need to do that, and my final result is that is coming in my document store. It looks like this, and so where where are the problems there? What what can be, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So maybe we can simplify it a bit. So let's say uh, I work at a company as a data scientist, and we have data engineers. So the data engineers take care of this ingestion part, so that the the track the events, they uh, put them into these uh, message queues and then eventually these events get in, uh, end up in our data lake or mm -hmm. some other storage. And we need to use these events to build our pipelines for our machine learning models. Yep. Right? So the data engineers, they really focus on this lake. So they are not really helping us. Uh, maybe they can help a bit, but uh, basically we're on our own here. So we have access to this data lake and we need to um, build the model. And um, yeah, so what usually data scientists know, they know Python pretty well, they know some SQL, they know all this Git bash um, things. Uh, and uh, like when it comes to Python, we also usually know the so-called PyData stack, scikit-learn-numpy uh, pandas. Um, yeah, so with this knowledge, so how do we approach uh, this process of building a pipeline to get our events from the data lake. Yeah. So first, first of all, you mentioned in the beginning you you you're more alone in this as a scientist. Hopefully not. Hopefully the engineering already speaks to you, or the or you speak with the engineering to like already turn it in a way that the data gets stored somewhere where or in a in a form that you can already work with. That's that's usually that's that's one of the the main things that you that you need to look at um, as a scientist i would start i would i would very as i would start very simple i would focus on python you know python don't go for another language 
don't go for something like like Scala or Java or like use what you what you already know best as you said like working with working with git working with docker most likely working with docker um writing python code so i, I would focus on okay what tools are there for instance what processing frameworks can, could you use that already where i can use my python skills and build something up and uh, yeah, like an API you would you would then use for API building, you wouldn't use something with Java. You would most likely look at something like Flask or or mm-hmm. fast API that I that I like a lot for, for prototyping. Like you you would go that direction. Yeah. So what are these processing frameworks? Yeah, processing sure. frameworks you have to uh, I I order I when I when I do the coachings in my academy, i I try to show the the students as okay there is this section processing framework and this is everything that actually takes some data does something with it like analyzes it or or, uh, modifies it and then does an output so in the processing framework you could think of like okay what does what does some some uh, some processing a python script that runs in a docker container i already count this to processing Uh, Apache Spark, uh, what is there? Apache Fl- uh, Flink, or if you're on the cloud, you could say, okay, uh, AWS Lambda functions or Azure functions. You know, these things are, are like, um, I, I would also call a, a use AWS Glue for that, where you can, that, like these are, these are frameworks that are doing the processing for you. You just need to call them, right? But like, it's it's one area that you, that you need to decide. So that is back to what we talked before. It wouldn't make sense to like do a part in Spark, then do a part in Flink, then introduce some Lambda functions here and there, and then, and then you run a Jupyter notebook where you do some processing. It's, oh, <laughs> it gets, it almost gets too complicated to actually run with a small team. Then. Yeah. So basically, this is a thing that gets in some data and out produces data, right? And it mm-hmm. might convert something or for instance it's it's there where you uh, the processing framework i would say is there where you where you run your where you train your algorithms with it's where you apply your algorithms with it's where you as a data scientist do the pre-processing this kind these kind of things is where you filter out the data yeah mm-hmm. and um, i think most of the time we can do for most of these things, except model training, we can do with plain SQL, right? Uh, like data transformation. It, it depends on well, it depends on where you where, what you're working with. If you're working with some kind of a NoSQL database, running simple SQL queries might be a problem. If you're uh, like if you're running a another like a, a more relational orient or relational database then yeah you you most likely would use sql to get the data or just the simple files from a data lake but within your framework it could be that you that you use sql to to build data frames and then then access the data frames via sql and uh, yeah mm-hmm. sql is is a big is still a big part in in engineering and in science like mm-hmm. everybody knows it everybody all, all the tools support it it's mm-hmm. one of the big things. Yes. So, what are the most uh, common setup that you see, or the setup you would recommend? Let's say we we have these tasks. We have data in our S3 bucket, for example, mm-hmm. or some Google storage bucket. So these are, let's say, bucket files that uh, engineers prepared for us. Um, and bucket for those who don't know, these are like a special format for files that is optimized for uh, yeah. for storing. Uh, the data. So we have that. So what would we use to actually process this uh, this data? Well, a general, a general giving general recommendations is always <laughs> a bit problematic because you don't know what what people are doing. Um, there are a lot of ways of actually processing this data. As I said before, you could say, okay, I'm just uh, this data is laying around. I'm just using uh, using um, Docker containers on how's it called ECS. To actually trigger ECS jobs and read the data from the data lake, process it, and then put it somewhere else. You could even schedule this. Uh, AWS, for instance, has a 
as a scheduling service, basically Airflow in, in the cloud. I uh, just forgot how they call it, but like you could or even say, or hmm? they call it managed data flow something. Yeah, man, or managed data flows, or yeah, so, something. So you could you could set up something like this. Uh, you could also go like we said before. You could also also build some within SageMaker. Use a SageMaker notebook and and use that. It's like the the. The, the possibilities are endless. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, want to cheap out of this question, but it's it's like... <laughs> no, that's uh, a bit that's difficult. maybe a problem as well, because when you have yeah. so many tools for, for doing your job, you can be lost. Right? Yeah. And um, yeah, maybe we can make it a bit more concrete. So let's say um, I want to build a model for predicting car prices, right? Mm. Um, so here, Let's say we have a website with uh, cars and their prices yeah. and different characteristics of a car. And we want to build a pipeline for training our model uh, for predicting prices and also a pipeline for applying this model. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, to make it more concrete, let's say our data, uh, the data is stored in MySQL. But what engineers did for us, so we don't use production MySQL. They copy all the, the all the data to an S3 bucket. So we have a replica of mm -hmm. uh, of the data set. So we don't need to touch the production database. We have a copy of our data, and we need to build a model um, for that. So we use, uh, let's say, I don't know if you have any preferences for the cloud. Um, so I kind of mentioned here S3. But, I, yeah, uh, I, I usually I, I tend to tend to or my I, I like AWS the most. I, I, I work with AWS the most. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm always thinking in AWS for it. So. Yeah, so we can uh, maybe take a AWS as an example. I think yeah. they're right now the most popular cloud provider, like 70 yeah, percent by, uh, by far. Yeah, something like this. Uh, I imagine that most of our listeners, they so the chances are that they will use uh, AWS pretty high. Right? Mm. It uh, that that depends, by the way. It depends on the on the actual industry. Mm -hmm. It also depends on the actual location. I mm -hmm. had uh, students from from the northern European com uh, countries where they um, where they are looking at job descriptions, and it turns out actually more Azure mm -hmm. for some industries. And then in others, like in the US, most of the things have have AWS in them. Mm -hmm. So, but but there's there are actually differences. Yeah. But yeah, to to your example, so uh, I'm not sure if I understood it correctly. Is there data coming in basically from two sides, from the from the website and from the from the SQL database that the yeah, let's say. Um... So we have a product, we have a website yeah. with cars. So we yeah. own it as a company. And what we want to do is we want to help our users uh, when they are not sure what price to put. We want to build a model for them when they enter uh, like the, the car make model, etc. We just help them with uh, suggesting a price. So this mm -hmm. is a simple model. Yeah. And we have... Uh, for this website, so it's baked, uh, it's backed by uh, MySQL. So there is a MySQL database with all the data for all the listings. Um, but we as data scientists cannot really go and take the access to this MySQL uh, database because it's a production yeah. database. Uh, so what engineers made for us is a sub some sort of snapshot replica just for us to access the data. And now we need to build this model. Yeah. Well. Um... When you when you think about first of all, you need to think about okay, how do I uh, from the analytics standpoint, how do I apply this? Then is that uh, you most likely want to apply it so that the that when the customer searches or as I said, it goes on the site searches that it already um, gets the the predictions of, or the the recommendations, mm -hmm. right? So would you do that live or would you say, would you put that to the categories so that the end the end result of your analytics is that is that always getting generated live or are you are you doing some yeah. predictions that and you store them somewhere where then the let's say uh, I, I know it's going to complicate things but let's say we need it live so when a user creates a new listing and then uh, so they fill everything in and then once they do this 
we suggest the price. So yeah. when they create a new listing, mm -hmm. so a, a live thing. Okay. So you could you could say now, the there are a few methods you could say, you could do that. You could take the listing that has just been created. You could, for instance, send it. I'm just online. You could you could take it and you could send it from your send it uh, into a message queue. So you stay in the event in in the in the streaming lane and then you have at the other side of that that is where your actual algorithm is listening mm -hmm. and once something is coming in the algorithm takes the listing for instance as a json most likely mm -hmm. the website will come as a json um, takes it and then it does the recommendation part and then uh yeah either stores it somewhere or like offers it over an api or I'm, I'm not sure how, how you would you would want to do that it's is the is the if the listing is already stored then you could say okay i'm, I'm putting that to the stored listing mm -hmm. no, i mean what you see is that people that people actually um apply the or supply the the analytics as an api so mm -hmm. the the website would would actually call an api and the api in the background you would run your you would run your 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 quick your your script and that would then return the api the return would already have the recommendations in it yeah what i mean is like what you described is uh, the process of we already have a model and we want to deploy it so this is how we use it but what i meant is we don't have a model yet we need okay. to build it right mm -hmm. and uh, yeah so what i can do is a data scientist i can pull this data in save it on my laptop open jupyter notebook uh you know do stuff with pandas do stuff with numpy with scikit to learn then i train this model and i have this pickle file and then two months after that things change right so prices uh, are different and we need to retrain it yeah. and uh, i don't want to do this like every month i don't want to pull a new data and execute cells in a particular order in my jupyter notebook because okay. maybe in a half a year i will forget that I need to execute this cell before this cell because I accidentally uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. messed the, the order. So we need to somehow predictionize yeah. it. Right? Yeah, you and that, that's what I meant is the with the Jupyter notebook. Sometimes it's good. Like for this, you would you would actually create a proof of concept or the first version of your analytics you would set up in a Jupyter notebook so you see that it works. And then the next part is so now then you need to productionalize it. Most likely, if you're already in a Jupyter notebook and working with this stuff, uh, you you could go and just take your Python code, put it in a container, put it in a Docker container, schedule this container to run on the data. I don't know every day, every every week, mm -hmm. and just retrain the models and see if you find something better, uh, if you find some different results for the for the current ones, and then basically this way you 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 keep training your models. And then you store the model somewhere where you then can, if you apply, then then can most likely they, you store the store the, the model configs on S3. So mm -hmm. when you apply the, the data, uh, you apply the model, then you in your pipeline, you would actually have your script and that script would pull the pull the information from S3 and then just mm -hmm. apply it, for instance. Yeah, so we take our notebook, Jupyter notebook, we put it in a Python file. We put it this Python file in some Docker container, and we go to our cloud and we find a way how we can schedule this uh, script, right? And that's pretty much it, right? Depends on how you want to run it. If you for for the training, yeah, yeah. And I mean, the, the, it it can be really really easy the actual scheduling. You you could use something like Airflow. But if you have some some real simple, you could uh, you could use a use CloudWatch and then schedule mm -hmm. schedule uh, your your basically. Mm -hmm. It's a bit with with AWS. You need to schedule a Lambda function, and that Lambda function then starts your container. But it's like you could very easily set this up uh, mm -hmm. without without having the whole uh, a like a framework running like like Airflow because. Mm -hmm. Let's let's and that that's what I meant before. Um, does it even you need or the data scientists need to need to look into this to actually figure out is it worth it? Like do, because it's it's one more thing to manage or can I can I live right now mm -hmm. with something 
Mm-hmm. And uh, you said CloudWatch, and then uh, as far as I remember, in Amazon there are multiple ways of uh, deploying a Docker container. So you have uh, ECS, right? You have AWS mm-hmm. Batch, and you have uh, SageMaker, right? Yeah. Uh, so you can just take any of these, uh, put your Docker container there uh, with your script, and then use uh, CloudWatch to schedule it to run it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Every week, for example. Yeah, I remember. I think we we talked that SageMaker can get quite exa- uh, quite expensive. So yes, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> that's why I'm like always hesitant to <laughs> to say use SageMaker for everything. <laughs> well, at least you can use AWS Batch, which I think is four times cheaper, if I remember correctly. I know. I, I don't. That I don't know. Yeah. So in in uh, SageMaker, so they have the same instances, instance types, but they have ML in front of them, and just mm-hmm. having ML in front of them makes them more expensive. But at the end, it's okay. the same types ah, of instances. That, that's logical. It makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But the cool thing, the cool thing is, and, and what what I like about that is what I said, what I mentioned before, like um, deploying your algorithm as a service. What you could, what you can do, that you deploy your algorithm actually as an endpoint with SageMaker that you have running. And where you actually you can send the data to the endpoint, and the endpoint will will mm-hmm. will send you some predictions. That is something that is really really cool, and and yeah, um, makes it a bit easier to to do the management of the pipelines. Let's make our example a bit more complex. So let's oh say God. we have this. <laughs> this <laughs> usually, what I do usually I do this with 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 boards. Where we draw on the board, so I, so I don't get. <laughs> yeah, let's make it more complicated. Yeah. So usually, let's say before to get the data from this storage that we have, we need to write a couple of SQL queries, and we need to execute the SQL queries one after another. So first query would get us. Uh, so we have a, a lot of raw data. So the first query would get us uh, like a smaller data set with only data we need. And let's say the second query would do some extra aggregation or cleaning. I don't know. So mm-hmm. let's say we have two queries that do something. And then what we do uh, at the end, this is what we use for training our model. We take the output of the second query and uh, again, maybe do simple stuff with pandas uh, and then train our model. And we get this pickle file. Mm-hmm. So now we need to schedule this to somehow run the whole thing in sequence. Yeah. So we need to, to run. The first query, then the second query that gets the results of the first query uh, and produces some other result, and then we have the third job that gets the results from the second query and trains yeah. model and produces a pickle file. So how do we, um, what's the right word, orchestrate this, this whole yeah. thing? It it depends on how how uh, like I, I feel like I, I say always it depends on how complicated <laughs> you wanted to want to make it. Well, like the you, simplest uh, you, you possible. You could you could do something really simple where you like build up a message queue, mm-hmm. and once the once the first script is ready, it fires up a message into the message queue, and then on the other side is a listener that basically takes this message, and in the message you you say okay where do I what what uh, what um, what part of the job already run, where is the data stored, and then the second part can take the data and can actually process and then writes back to the message queue. And this way you can you can use your message queue actually as in a streaming manner where one job takes it out, takes the information out. Okay, I need to do something. There is already, where does the data lie, lie around? Do it, I'm finished, write back, and, and there's so it's very often very easy to actually use use queues for the, for this kind of job. I think I implemented something like this a couple of companies ago. What they, when I left, what they ended up doing is uh, discarding all that and moving to Airflow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, <laughs> I mean Airflow. The, these things are really, really strong and really mm-hmm. good. So it makes sense to use them. But if if this is a one-off thing. And like you need to build something quick, you need to you need to start somewhere. Um, what is good enough? Right? And most likely for this company, as you said, you build this, it ran for some time, and it was good enough while you built it. And at some point, they 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 actually it grew over. They needed to they needed to have more 
uh, more logging behind it, more insight, then you're then you're moving to something like or like Airflow or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, and then and you, so... you don't need to go all out in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Like for the first model, if it's just the first uh, data science project in a company, you don't need to go with uh, Airflow, Kubernetes, and uh, you know all these big things. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> okay. like it, it always it, it depends on a bit on your timeline. What what's or what's the goal of of the company? Right? Where does the company want to move? Is this uh, is it unsure or is the company unsure where to move or is this going to be a platform where like a lot of a lot of projects are going to work on and then it's good to have a have then I would set up everything already. Mm -hmm. Otherwise start start small, start agile and you can always build something, add something to it after afterwards. That's yeah, also thanks. how I how I usually talk with my coaching students. Like build something first, build it, build it simple, and then at some point add more stuff to it. Like start with start with uh, start with a lambda function and then uh, then you spark streaming for that and in the next step so in, in every area you can you can escalate and, and make it more more complicated or different yeah so we have a related question from uh, chetna so okay. cool. i think we already discussed uh, how we can do this uh, from a jupyter notebook like how data scientists can start uh, their journey towards being uh, like picking up data engineering skills. Yeah. Uh, so we that part we discussed, but the, the second part of uh, the question is how to learn the DevOps uh, and software engineering skills that you need to actually to be able to implement this. Um, well, the DevOps skills, it's, it, that's, where, that's where the tool selection comes in, that you understand, okay, how can I actually bring this into production? how do i how do i manage my code how how do i yeah that's uh, there are certain tools that i see around all the time um like something like um gitlab a lot of people use gitlab as their as their code repository and actually for building for building then their 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 code and deploying their code in production that's something i i see a lot um yeah we're but generally these there yeah there are many tools out there it's always the same like most of that if you use mm -hmm. jenkins for building and so on it's most likely that's the same stuff right? mm -hmm. so so yeah. your recommendation would be just to pick any tool and try to learn it um i would pick something that fits to the rest of what i would i just built mm -hmm. So th that is that, and that's that's what I meant in the beginning. Like you need to understand what what tools do I actually want to use, so they, so you you don't go overboard. And in this case, so that everything fits together. So you're you're actually, uh, you're actually using the right the right tool to manage your code to to deploy your code, and that fits to your to your actual de deploy uh, to your actual production environment. Yeah, so I guess if uh, I'm a data scientist and I don't have experience with these kind of things, so I would need to talk to a data engineer or somebody who's dealing with infrastructure to actually help me and guide me through that. Uh, right? Because how do I know if this is the right tool if I haven't used yeah. previously? There are, there are a few options that you can do. First of all, um, how I how I always go at this, uh, I look at the... Uh, this is very lame, but I look at the documentation of the tool. Like, what what are the what can this tool actually do? And then I search for um, um, how do you call it in English? Uh, like, like um, not proof of concepts. Like examples that mm -hmm. where people already did that. What I wanted, what I in, envisioned to do. And if you already find some examples, ah, here uh, on, and you can just do this on Google, like. Uh, they did this, this, and this, and you you find some some quick uh, how to do lists, of what you need to do, or tutorials. Then most likely you're already on the on the right track. Mm -hmm. And then if it's an open source tool or whatever, just set it up in a, in a dev environment and test it out. Mm -hmm. And if that works, already it looks already good. Then mm -hmm. then you're most likely on the right yeah. track. So speaking of the example we had with this. Uh, 
um, building a model for price prediction. So let's say if we decide to go with uh, AWS Batch and Lambda and whatnot, so what we can do is we can go to our favorite search engine, uh, put the queries there like model training pipeline, then the name of the tool, uh, AWS Batch, Lambda, yeah. and then we hit enter, and then we see what are the results. Uh, then maybe adding a word tutorial at the end uh, might help. And you end up on towards data science on some other or some other similar website where there is a like almost a step-by-step -step tutorial yeah. with all the steps yeah. you need to, to do. very often you find this like in, in in your case like how to use aws batch to uh, analyze s3 data or something mm -hmm. and then most likely you're finding 10 10 10 blog posts that already do the exact thing that you want to do and then mm -hmm. you just insert your code of course you're analytically right you need to write it but like the frame the frame around it how to how to get to the data and where to write the data most likely you can already extract from this mm -hmm. and yeah yeah so i guess the the short question to this answer how to learn devops is just uh, do stuff if you don't know google them or use yeah your I, I search engine like the as that use use the search search for what different tools are there what capabilities do they have? How does that fit to to the rest of the platform? And then just try it out. Just I'm always I'm always I'm always going for okay, let's try this because usually when you actually do it, then you're finding the the holes in the in the whole thing. Like uh, this doesn't work that way. This doesn't work that way. It's it's always the same. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately. Do you think data engineering skills like um, Hadoop uh, and etc. So th this is a, another question I'm reading. Mm -hmm. Like Hadoop, Docker, Cloud, they are necessary for students who are looking for internship, or like do they need to have these skills to uh, to get their first job? I think for no, I think for internship, for internship, if you if you can code Python, if you know your way around SQL, you should have learned this during study. Uh, if you have a, a bit of an idea how to how computer networking works so like dns ip networking if, if you have an idea about this then for an internship you're good to go that that that, that i mean for for becoming a junior data engineer i think you you need some experience on some kind of a platform most likely it makes sense to use aws uh, I would I would start by using AWS. And that's why I, for instance, in, in the academy, I build the AWS Capstone project first because I think that's the most important thing. And we use that in the coaching as well, most often. And then the, the second part, I think, is um, for um, open source tools. Just, just use a few open source tools like Kafka, Spark, and like MongoDB, most likely. That's some some stuff that is that is around there uh, everywhere. Makes sense. And then you should, if you then don't get a junior role, I, I don't know. Like, I, I I would most likely hire someone who 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 has that as a resume. The important part is documenting it. That's what I always. That's that's what I what I say to my students. Document your stuff. Never just do a AWS or AWS certification or whatever. Never just do the certification. Always create a GitHub, put up some information, put put up interesting stuff that you have learned. You need a track record. You need to have a track record. You need to have a, a professional profile and not just like a LinkedIn page, but like a professional profile that has some 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 experience where you show some experience. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so in this question, there is a bunch of things mentioned uh, mentioned under the data engineering skills, which are Hadoop, Docker, Cloud. So Docker and Cloud, I don't think you would argue that uh, these are important things to yeah. learn. What about Hadoop? Do people still need it, use it? Mm, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> I see the trend that Hadoop isn't that, uh, isn't, isn't what it used to be because the cloud platforms got so strong and and they innovated so fast um 
most most companies nowadays use use a cloud platform yes you have you have stuff still laying around or still working on hadoop most uh, very often in bigger companies where they have pr uh, private clouds that they're running and then they're running of course they're running hadoop um i i think for for getting a a role or for 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 learning it it can make sense, but it's not like one of the primary thing. The cool thing is ha ha coming from like me coming from Hadoop, you see that everything on the cloud platform that is basically the same stuff that you do on Hadoop. It's basically always the same stuff. Uh, you ha you're running on a Hadoop platform, just ha it has a different name and works a bit differently. But mm -hmm. like it's it's very, very interesting how these how these tools fit together. Mm -hmm. So yeah. And we have a question from Julian, uh, and or Julian, uh, I don't know. Uh, but uh, the question is about your uh, your academy, and you mentioned it a couple of times. So first of all, what is the link to the academy? So how can people find it? LearnDataEngineering.com. It's uh, one word, right? One Without word. Hyphens. One word. That's that's uh, that's where everything where I where I have the academy where I do the coaching. Uh, I at some point I, I like I started with YouTube. I don't know how many years ago. Four years, three years. Four. When did we talk, Alexei? Do you do you know the year? Two years when? ago, I think. Two years. So maybe then two and a half years ago, um, I started with YouTube. Um, and actually, I on YouTube is always you you make videos, but it's not like one like. You, you can't put up a journey or you can't say, okay, learn this, 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 and then, then it will work out. And so last year I actually decided to, okay, let's, let's try to build a curriculum for actually learning data engineering. Um, it turned out it's, it's harder than I thought because what we talked about before, like there are so many tools and you need to f focus on some stuff. But in, in the academy, I basically, I created a course, uh, a step-by-step -step course that that starts basically giving you the fundamentals of actually what is data engineering and what do you need for actually starting and then uh, we, we go through basics of platform and pipeline design and then uh, fundamental tools and then uh, capstone projects like the aws project I, I we are having one more coming next week about azure an azure course and i'm currently working on another one as i said before with uh with open source tools mongodb is Kafka Spark and so on. So if if you're interested in, in or if somebody's interested in data engineering, check that out or check out one of my 300 videos on YouTube or something. I don't know where we are currently. I think if um, you Google for the plumbers of data science, uh, the, the first link should be your could be. YouTube channel. Could also be, yeah. 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 Uh, or your uh, your name. So, yeah, my name as well. My name and yeah. data engineering most likely, <laughs> most likely will bring something up. <laughs> yeah. So from what I understood uh, by uh, by talking to you now is the most one of the most important skills uh, to have for uh, to pick up data engineering for a data scientist is to have these cloud skills. But cloud skills is such a broad thing, right? But there are a couple of tools that are useful for um, for data processing. So I'm wondering if you can give a good recommendation how to approach learning this. So I usually suggest to learn things by doing projects and maybe you can, you can yeah. recommend a project that uh, people can build to pick up these cloud skills. Um, a general project, uh, well, I don't want to beat my own, like uh, this, this shouldn't be a sales thing. I, I have a project <laughs> using e-commerce data on AWS to actually do it. But generally, I, I think it's, it's more, um, the general approach is the more important approach. Um, I have a, uh, on my website, you find a link to the data engineering cookbook. And in the cookbook I have, and also on my YouTube, I have uh, videos about my data science platform blueprint. And this will help you will help you a lot to actually see these areas that I talked before, connect, buffer, processing framework, store, visualize, and then actually select some select tools for each of these and then build a build a pipeline and just start sort by using this. And use a data set from Kaggle or whatever. 
you don't need to go go really big use a small data set 40 megabytes whatever and mm -hmm. just just start start applying this in in, in and building building a platform building some pipelines on it i think there are a couple of competitions on kaggle where it's not just one csv file but they have multiple csv files and then you would need to actually do a join uh so like i don't know four or five different files and then to actually to build this final um table let's say you need mm -hmm. to do multiple joints i think this kind of data sets would be most interesting because this is what we usually do at work so it's not just data already prepared but yeah. we need to do a couple of joints a couple of um, i don't know a couple of things on top of that um i think one of the competitions where it was i think outbrain click prediction i think but I, I, there are there are a couple of them mm. so, and these click prediction competitions are quite interesting because they have a lot of data there yeah. but 40 megabytes i think is also a good start you don't you, the the thing is you don't need to for learning it you don't need the huge data sets what what is going to happen is when you use huge data sets first of all the loading times are going to be terrible that that everything runs long then you need to you cannot easily look into the data then uh, because it's, it's big the cloud platforms are going to cost more because you need bigger systems and everything don't need that use you use small data i i very often in the uh, very often in the academy or in the in the coaching we use a simple e-commerce data set from kaggle that because of that because even there you can you can understand okay why actually for instance would you go the nosql route and not a another standard route of, of building a relational database and so on so that these are these are, it doesn't need to be complicated to actually start that that's if 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 you're listening to this and you only need to you only remember one thing start simple and use a simple data set don't go all out and you only get frustrated you only get frustrated mm -hmm. and most likely use use the cloud for beginning mm -hmm. so don't start with kubernetes airflow and uh, <laughs> no. one terabyte of data no, no. <laughs> good advice uh, i know we almost so it's almost time to um, it's actually time to finish but there is one interesting question and yeah. uh, maybe we can take a couple of minutes to answer that I, maybe it's a tough one so let, let's try i'm trying to convince my company to start a data science department what is the best tool set to show results with my current zero dollars budget with their current zero well first so if you if you need to let's i don't want to discourage people so <laughs> be, a bit, <laughs> be careful so if you need to if you need to convince somebody who that to run actually to to use data science it's already a bit of a problem um i would i would go the route and just do it if you if, if you don't have money and you can spend some time just just build something locally use if you like you don't don't build a platform don't build pipelines do a proof of concept like just have, as we saw as we said uh, use a notebook get some data and show what analytics can actually do what analytics can 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 deliver and put a number on it how much data how much money will this bring I don't people don't care about data how much data do you process for that or how long did it take how much money will this bring in it, it's even better than than how much money will we save through that most likely a revenue counts so if you can if you can show a good result and if you can uh, if you can show a like a rough timeline how much how much revenue this is going to this can generate in the future then most likely if you talk to the right people then something will move otherwise forget it <laughs> <laughs> try it but but don't don't like okay so you need to turn this zero dollars budget into something greater than zero yeah yeah and the cool thing nowadays is if you have a if you have a macbook or whatever you can already start doing data science right it's not like you need that big machine that ten thousand uh, dollar analytics pc mm -hmm. You can yeah, you can start small, and with AWS there is this thing called free free tier, right? And which allows you to do some lambda stuff for free, 
then you can get this too for free right? but but actually yeah but how much does that help you yeah like can... most likely most likely you you are going to run run tests of for a few days or train models for a few days yeah then right your free you tier is over so yeah. so you have a computer at work use that start start a start a, a training at the end of the day let it run throughout the when we did all this <laughs> years ago like let it run over the night over the weekend and hope that somebody something comes up uh, on monday <laughs> that's interesting so last question how people can find you um, you can find me uh, on just google my name andreas kreitz or plumbers of data science or learn data engineering uh, on LinkedIn, on uh, on on YouTube, on Instagram, um, yeah, Instagram, Instagram as well. Andreas Kreitz, I have one thousand and four hundred followers. Wow. <laughs> I don't. Do this, but, I've uh, been trying so try. hard on on Instagram. Instagram is like terrible. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, but you can you can contact me there as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. okay. And we have a, we have a Telegram chat group. So oh, if you okay. go to learndataengineering.com, on the bottom is a Telegram chat group. Uh, uh, team data science, I call it, um, where you can, you can okay, put a link in the description. Okay. Yeah. Do you yeah, have any cool. last words? Thanks for inviting me. It was really fun <laughs> talking to you, Alexei. Uh, I hope, I hope a few people get into engineering now. Yeah, um, it's, so it's, well. re it's really, it's a cool profession and uh, yeah, I love it. Yeah. So I'll put all these links maybe not right now in a couple of hours but i'll do this so check the description and we have a couple of more talks tomorrow and on friday check them out uh, thanks for joining us today and thanks a lot andreas for sharing your experience with us so now when next time when somebody asks how can i build a data pipeline i will share this video with them and hopefully they will uh, not start with um, kubernetes and um, other stuff but that's something simple yeah. okay right. thanks uh, and um